Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Amen, amen. You still got that authority. Thank you, River Worship. River, y'all can have a seat. We're going to get in the Word of God. I'm excited to bring you this Word tonight. That's some worship tonight, isn't it? Yeah? Wow, 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 wow. Um, I was in a coffee shop the other day. This isn't really a funny story. This, this was an encouraging story to me. And I have my cap on, my Toronto Maple Leafs cap, because I'm faithful even when we fail. And um, I'm just in the corner minding my biz, working on a sermon like a good pastor, actually. And um, I had my headphones on. I got these cool Apple headphones, though, and they got a button you can press that lets you hear what's happening. It turns off the noise canceling. It's great. It's a cool feature. And um, these two dudes walked into the coffee shop, and they sat at the table across from me. They didn't, they didn't see me, but one guy had a River Worship shirt on, you know, the black one, the, the one that you get as a first-time guest. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me just press this button real quick and uh, hear what they're saying, you know? creeping like a good pastor. And uh, uh, they started talking about the river. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I want to hear this. And the guy, one of the guys, he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I, I liked it. But they get too excited about God there. They just, well, you don't need that much excitement in church. Why don't you have to get excited? And I felt like getting up and going, bro, you're wearing this shirt right now. <laughs> But, you know, I got thinking about it. I was like, what a compliment. You know, that we get excited about God here. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that I'm not going to hell anymore. That I was and I'm not now. That's exciting to me. That's something worth getting. You know what? It's not just that. There are so many reasons to get excited about God. One of them is the promises that he speaks over your life. Those are exciting promises. Promises like the fact that he will never leave you. Never forsake you, never abandon you. That's Hebrews 13, 5. You heard that one before? You thankful for that, that he'll never leave you? Yeah? How about this one? To keep you and to not harm you, to be for you and not against you. That's Romans 8. You like that one? The creator of the universe is not against you. The promises of God are incredible, and they are something worth getting excited about, my friends. So thank you for always getting excited about God here. Thank you for that. I don't know if those guys are here or not. I'm not trash-talking you. I'm thankful if you came back. Um, Let me tell you a little story, and then we'll get in the Word. This past weekend, Lindsay and I, my lovely wife, we went to go buy some flowers because we were planting a garden. Anyone here plant a garden recently? You're blessed to have a home. Okay, you know, I think when you start going and buying flowers and planting gardens, you're officially old. So we've made it. We're old now. It's what old people do on Saturday. It's It's where we're at. So anyways, we go. We get some trees, small trees, some bushes, a ton of flowers. I mean, lots of flowers. And let me be honest with you guys. This is not really my thing. 
This is not like my idea of like a perfect Saturday morning. I'm not really into it, but you know what? Lindsay is really into it, and I'm really into her. So if she's into it, I'm just, you know, I'm going to act like I'm excited about it, whether I am or not. Anyways, we get all these flowers, beautiful, and this girl has planned it out, man. She's got colorways, right? Blocking, you know, she's researched the types of perennials versus seasonal. What the heck is a perennial? I don't even know what that was. She's teaching me. She's got it all planned out. So we get two carts loaded up, not one, two carts and a stroller. So it's just, it's a nightmare. Anyways, we get to the checkout line and we're about ready to check out. And I start doing something that I often do in checkout lines. I start checking the prices on everything and adding up the math on everything that's in the cart. Don't act like you don't do it. Come on. And then I start checking my debit card balance, right? I'm just, okay, let me make sure. Okay, okay. And I start adding, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is expensive. Like, these flowers are a lot of money. What in the world? And then right before I go to check out, I look to my right, and there's this station, huge station of seeds, all these seeds. And I start looking at them closely, and I, I go, wait a second. I'm like, here's the flower and the tree and the bush I'm buying, and then here's their seed. And this, this flower is $39, and this seed is 87 cents. And I'm looking back and forth, I'm going like, what in the world? And then the cheap Irishman in me comes out. Babe, put it all back. I got a plan. I got a plan. And she's rolling her eyes. She's like, oh, no, here we go, right? And then this wonderful sales associate sees what's happening at this nursery do y'all know that places that sell flowers are called nurseries? I thought, like, that was where you dropped a kid off. That's very weird to me that it's called a nursery. I think people treat them like they're their kids. Anyways, strange thing to me. Anyways, this associate comes up to me, and he sees what's happening. And, and we start talking. He starts talking. I start complaining. I'm not really talking. I'm more just complaining. And, um, and he says to me, he says, what you're failing to realize, Ryan, because we get on a first-name basis, is that it's not about the value of the seed, it's about what's done in the dirt to turn that seed into that plant that you are now buying. And I'm like, oh, dang, this guy's philosophical. Wasn't expecting that. He's like, it's what's done in the dirt. And he says, what you're doing when you buy those flowers that are already bloomed and already tall and have root systems developed, he says, you're skipping all the work all the hard work, and you're jumping to the final product. And that's why you're paying a higher price. Because the seed takes a lot of work in the dirt to get it there. So what I'm paying for is not the 87-cent seed, he tells me. I'm paying for all the work that was done, the land, the planting, the pruning, the fertilizing. I mean, he goes on and on and on. He's just really boring me at this point. The, the, the trimming, everything he tells me. But it did get me thinking after it, because, you know, I'm a preacher, and this is how we think. I'm like, isn't that actually kind of what we do in our lives, too? Isn't that what we do, that, that God plants a seed, a good seed, because he's a good God who loves you and uniquely designed you exactly how he wanted you to be, and he makes no mistakes, so every seed he planted in you was planted for a reason and a purpose for your calling. I hope you believe that. Does anyone in here believe that tonight? That's good. You should believe that, because I promise you it's the truth. He gives you exactly what you were designed to have. But just like me buying that finished product, I was trying to skip all the hard work of growing and pruning. Isn't that what we do too in life sometimes? You know, that we just want to skip to the good part. 
We want to go, we want to get past all of that. We want to get to the beautiful part, the blooming flower. We want to get to the strong and mighty part, you know, the oak tree that's big. We want to skip that entire process. And then in that in-between season, after the seed has been planted by the planter, by God, by the maker, and before we've watered it, pruned it, grown it to where it should be, we start doing something that is very, very dangerous. We do this thing called comparison. Anyone ever compare? You honest enough to admit that you compare? Yeah? We start doing this dangerous thing called comparison. We start comparing our seed, which is still just a budding little plant, a little flower, to their mighty tree, their growing plant. And we start going, how come we don't have their career? How come we don't have their family that looks so beautiful and they got it all together and they don't fight? Yeah, right, they don't fight. Every family fights. We start scrolling on reels, thinking they're R-E-A-L when they're just R-E-E-L. They're just fake. But we start comparing our lives to them. And we compare our little budding plant from the good seed that was planted to their mighty tree, to their body, to their finances, to their boyfriend, to their girlfriend, to their husband, to their wife. It's what we do. We start comparing and we do all of that while having no idea what the seed that God has planted in you will even become. You don't even know what it's going to become yet because it's just a teeny little plant. They all look, at the, look the same at the beginning, one leaf, two leaf. You don't even know. And we all start doing this pandemic called comparison. Guys, comparison, I read a statistic the other day that in North America, we spend consciously or subconsciously 12% of our day comparing ourselves to other people. That's almost three hours. Can you believe that? That you spend, I spend almost three hours directly or indirectly comparing my life to someone else's life. And social media has cranked that bad boy up big time. We compare and we compare and we compare. Imagine if we spent almost three hours comparing the greatness of our God to the troubles that we have per day. Imagine if we had that type of shift, what could happen in our lives. But that's not what we do. We spend time comparison, comparison. I made another observation on my philosophical journey to the flower nursery talking to this guy um all those cheap seeds that i wanted to buy i started looking at them because i was i was going to buy them all of them kind of looked the same see without the package and the labeling on them i never would have even i would have had zero clue what they were going to be guys only the planter knows what the seed is going to be in the analogy of our lives that's god you don't know the seeds that he has planted in you you gotta wait on the lord to see what that seed is going to be before you start comparing it to someone else's final product. That's what we have to do. But we don't. We resent. We lament. We even we embrace discontent over our seed day in and day out, going, how come it's this when he or she's got that? Simply, guys, because it's not growing yet. Because it's not time yet, not even knowing how incredible it might come. But what I really learned, the last thing I learned on this weird nursery philosophical journey from uh, Paul was his name, the associate. Great name, actually. He's not an apostle, but his name is Paul. The last thing I learned from him is that what really matters, I said this at the beginning, is not even the seed. It's not, it's not the seed that you have. What really matters is what's done in the dirt after it's been planted. And guys, that is not the fun part. That's what he was explaining to me. That's the hard work. Working in the dirt is dirty, it's hard, it's time-consuming, it's rough. 
that is the title of the message I want to bring to you today, is that in life, what do you dirt? Look to your neighbor. Come on, pick one. I, you pick anyone you want right now. Interactive preaching, no more games. Just pick one, okay? And say, what? Terrible. Say, what? Do you? Dirt. Okay, before you accuse me of terrible grammar, I'm not asking you, what do you dirt? I'm asking you, what do you do in rough times? What do you do in rough times? Because that will determine everything about the seed that God has planted in your life. Because see, the thing about seeds is they literally only grow in dirt. Tell me one other condition that a seed can grow in. Only in dirt. It's the only place that a seed can grow. Just like that, the seeds and the promises, all those promises I spoke about a minute ago over, that God has said over your life, you know, promises to keep you, to protect you, of peace and hope and a future not to harm you, all those seeds only grow in the dirt, in rough times, not in the best of times, in rough times. My friends, the dirt season, though, is hard. The dirt season is not only messy, and not only dirty, let me tell you something else about the dirt season. The dirt season is a time where no one sees you putting in the work. There's no acknowledgement. There's no accolades. Anyone go to the gym here? Let me see your hands if you go to the gym. If you've been like once in the last 10 years, you put that hand up, baby. I go to the gym. I got a dad bod or a mom bod, but yeah, I go to the gym. The dirt season is the season where you, you know, you're still a little thick. Two C's. You're wearing that big baggy hoodie. You know what I'm talking about when you go to the gym, right? That's the season I'm still in, right? It's not the season of the six-pack that you post on the IG. I don't know if you should be doing that or not, just to be honest. But it's not. It's not that season, okay? The dirt season is the time in progress. It's the hard season. There was a group of people in the Bible who went through a whole lot of dirt seasons called the Israelites. You heard of them, the Israelites? They had an amazing seed in the form of a promise planted and given to them in the book of Genesis, to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob, then all the way to a man that we know very well named Moses. Amazing seed was planted of a promised land, a land promised to be theirs. And guys, look, promises from God are yes and amen. 2,000 years after the life of Christ, that land is still theirs. His promises don't end. They don't run out. The promises of God are yes and amen. But in the time of Moses, something very interesting is happening. They're in bondage and in slavery to a man named Pharaoh, to a country called Egypt, the most powerful empire of the time. And this goes on for 400 years. That's a long, rough time. That's a long, dirt season. And then the miraculous occurs. God calls Moses to say, Pharaoh, let my people go. Peace out. Good luck saying peace out to the most powerful man in the world. He does it. And, and miracle after miracle, plague after plague comes, and they get freed. And then Pharaoh changes his mind. You know this story. You went to Sunday school. And, and God wipes out Pharaoh's army. And now they're on the other side of the sea, and they're, they're past it, and they're away from Pharaoh, and he's no longer a threat. And where are they left now? In the land of milk and honey? In the dirt. In the wilderness. They're left in rough, rough times. And look, they got to go through some dirt before they can get to the land of milk and honey. But God did not design their dirt season to be 40 years. 
He didn't, and he says it in the Word of God. In fact, the distance, you and me, even with my dad bod, we could walk in 12 days from Egypt to the Promised Land. It's not that far. We could get there in 12 days, but instead they take that and they turn it into 40 years of dirt, 40 years of rough, rough times. Why am I telling you this story? Because, guys, what we do in the dirt determines how our seed will grow. It doesn't change the promise. The promise is yes, not if you do this. The promise is yes. Don't get it twisted. But what you do in the dirt with the seed will determine how and when that seed will grow. This is some deep stuff. I hope you're catching it. It will determine how and when it will grow. Our promises, guys, are directly tied to our response in rough times. Our response in the dirt. We get a promise, then a problem comes, and how we deal with the problem determines when we see the provision. That's how it works. It's all about the dirt season. And you have choices of what you're going to do in the dirt. The Israelites made their choice, unfortunately, and they did this. They despised the dirt season. In fact, they despised being in the dirt, being in the wilderness like the one you see right there. They despised it so much that they groaned to Moses to take them back to slavery. Can you imagine asking your leader to take you back to slavery where you're whipped and mocked and killed to take you back there? That's how much they despised their dirt season. They were comparing where they were now with what they had in the past and then with what is in front of them. See, they got so close to the promised land, but they saw fortifications and tall warriors and they said, there's no way we can beat them. There's no way that we can go in. And 12 days turns into 40 years just like that. Why? Because they despised in the dirt. And guys, they didn't just despise the rough times. It got worse. They didn't just despise the situation. We all despise situations from time to time. They end up despising their God for the dirt season. And God says something very strong about it in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, which you'll see on the screen. And the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people despise me? Despise is a, it's like the Christian word for hate, man. This is a serious word. How long will these people despise me and how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? Drowning Pharaoh's army, bringing ten plagues, manna raining down from heaven, sign after sign after sign, yet still in the dirt they choose to despise. And guys, the result of that? It's sad. That generation, Moses included himself, they never got to enter the promised land. He never got to go in. He dedicated half of his life to it, and he never got to cross into the land of milk and honey. Why? Because of their response in the dirt. Their response in rough times. See, when you are in the dirt, and we all get in the dirt. Some of you are in the dirt right now. You're in the roughest time of your life right now. You have two choices. Number one, you can despise in rough times. That's your first choice. You can despise your circumstances, which will end up having you even ultimately despise your creator. Or number two, here's the good part. This is where we take a shift. You can devote. You can devote in rough times. You can double down on God. You can magnify him. You can find him because he's there. You can make him bigger than that dirt season, than that rough time, and you can give him honor and glory and praise knowing that this is a season that he is going to use for his glory and to grow your seed. Is that what we want to do as believers? To devote, to allow the dirt season to grow you? 
to prune you, to build you, to refine you. That is why the dirt is designed. That is why the dirt is there. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, in this, the dirt, in this, the dirt, the rough time, in this, you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, so for a reason, necessary, you have been distressed by various trials going on, verse 7. That the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which perishes, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is telling you there is a reason for your dirt. There is a reason for your rough time. It is not a meaningless reason that you are in this dirt season. It is designed for a purpose. And what is that purpose? So that you can realize that honor and glory and praise belongs to Jesus Christ. And that he can be further revealed and so that I can too. That is the end goal, my friends, of realizing that your seed, as great as it might be, and some of you have amazing seeds in you. Some of you are going to be ministers. Some of you are going to be CEOs. Some of you are going to be members of parliament, successful, successful people. I don't know what you're going to be. Some of your seeds are amazing. But realizing that your seed is nothing without your Savior. That's why you go through the dirt, to see Jesus Christ revealed. Because, guys, look here. If we get the promise... If we get the seed, but we don't see the Savior, here's what happens to us eventually. We end up worshiping the gift more than the giver. And when the gift stops doing it for us, when we stop getting paid what we need to get paid, all of a sudden what happens is we start resenting the giver. It's so easy to start worshiping the gift instead of the giver. That is why God wanted the Israelites' devotion. It's why he allowed them to stay there. For 40 years because he wanted their devotion before they entered the land of milk and honey. If they would not be devoted to him in the dirt, you think they would be devoted to him in the land of milk and honey? When there are grapes so big you've got to carry them with two people on a stick, beautiful, beautiful land that was promised to them, that is the purpose of the dirt. It's a testing season. See, God wants your devotion in the dirt so that he knows he'll still have your devotion in the promise. That is why the dirt exists. James chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, the dirt, the rough time, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised. There's your seed. There's your promise to those who love him. That's a key part of the verse, though. To those who love them. God is saying in the book of James, Blessed is the one who stays devoted in the trial, steadfast, not despising, in the testing, because they receive God's promise because they love him. Guys, the next thing you learn in the dirt, the next point, if you're taking notes before we get back to worship in a moment, is that the dirt tells you something that's very, very important. The dirt is a season where you find out, listen close to me, where you find out if you really love God or if you're just simply infatuated with God. There's a difference between loving God and being infatuated with God. See, infatuation and love, my friends, are not the same thing. And I worry today that we are too often more infatuated with God than loving him. This was the Israelites' problem. They were infatuated with what God has done with his miracles, with his wonders, with his signs, with the idea of him, with the promise 
that they had given him. They loved that. They felt that. They were feeling him. Feeling someone and loving someone are totally different things. Being infatuated with someone and loving someone are totally different things. God wasn't going to let them enter the promised land with only a crush, with only infatuation. He needed their love first. Guys, if I'm talking about me, real talk for a minute as a married husband, sometimes, our hus- is there a husband that's not married? I don't know, that's a weird thing to say. Oh, it's 2023, there's anything today. As a husband, don't put that on the live stream. As a husband, sometimes I'm easy to love. I might sound proud, prideful, but no, sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm kind, I'm supportive, I go to this stinking flower store, I swipe my stinking debit card. Sometimes I'm easy to love. I really am. And then there's other times. Husbands, where you at? Put your hand up. There's other times sometimes. Not y'all. Y'all are great. You guys are always easy to love. But for me, there is other times where I get a little, I don't know, prickly. Hangry. Anyone been hangry? Man, I go four hours without food. I'm just the biggest jerk you've ever met. I get hangry. I'm a hangry person. I will admit that. Maybe my favorite sports team lost again. I don't know what it is, okay? I don't know what it is, but there are times where I am not easy to love. Times where Lindsay has to make a decision to love me, where it would not be the natural response to the way that I'm acting, okay? Infatuation just ain't going to get it done in this situation. I'm not hot enough for that, okay? That's just, that's just, that's just not going to happen in this situation. And she has to make a decision. Or there's other times, there's been times in our marriage, we've been together almost nine years now. Give it up for her. That's a long time to tolerate me. Nine years. There's been other times where I go through a really, really hard time. There was a season in my life for a few months where I was in a wheelchair. I can go to the bathroom on my own. I just couldn't shower on my own. I couldn't leave the house. I was going crazy. I literally had to lean on her for everything. You think infatuation is going to get you through something like that? That's devotion. That's love to stay by someone when they're going through something like that. Guys, hear me when I say this. Infatuation is based on a feeling. Love is based on devotion. And this whole thing, the whole reason why you're going in through the dirt, and if you haven't yet, you will, bad news, is God needs to know, are you infatuated with him and his greatness and his awe and his wonder and what he can give you and do for you, or are you devoted to him? Do you love him when it's hard to love him? And look, he's not like Ryan McVitie. I mess up. God doesn't mess up. He's not like that. There are times in our lives when it's so easy to love God. We see him. We feel him. He's, we have his presence like here when you're worshiping him, praying for a fresh wind, and you feel the Holy Spirit moving. And, and those are times where it's easy to love God. But if that is the only time in your life, in our lives, that we love him, my friends, that's not love. That's a crush. That's a crush on God, not a devotion to God. That's basing it off a of feeling, my friends. That is a friend with a benefit. Not, not the type of relationship that we should have with God. Marriage is not a friend with a benefit. That's, not, that's just not how it works. Those of you all who aren't married yet, you're going to figure that out. And your relationship with God is not that either. Yeah, he's your friend. He stays closer than a brother. Yeah, he gives you a lot of benefits, but you have to be devoted to him. You have to stay true to him. There will be times in your life where it seems like God is silent. Where you will cry out. 
God, help me. Why can't I hear you and you still don't hear him? Times where you do not feel his presence. Where you know he answers you, but you just don't hear the answer. You don't get the direction. You don't get the healing. You don't get the breakthrough. I don't mean to be a, a Debbie Downer preacher up here. Sorry, Deb's in the room. I love all of you. <laughs> I don't mean to be that. I'm just being truthful to you, okay? And this is not a sales pitch. This is the gospel. There will be times in your life that will be difficult where you, wilderness times, rough times, dirt times, where you don't feel him. There will be times. But how we view and act towards God in the rough times, my friend, is the best thermometer of the level of devotion of your love to him. It's the best thermometer. When you are on the mountaintop, it is easy to worship him. When you are in the valley and you feel alone, that's when it's hard to devote to him. That's when it's hard to love him when you're in the dirt. Because, guys, if our love is just based upon when we feel him, when we feel like loving him, that's the exact definition of a crush. Crushes are based on a feeling. You feel like you like her, she moves away. Oh, no, don't like her anymore. You feel like you like him, right? You got a crush on him. Who's in high school? Put your hand up. High schoolers, where my high schoolers at, okay? You got a crush on somebody in high school, and then you find out that he doesn't like you at all, right? And, and your girlfriend finds out that, that that's the truth. You go, I never liked him. What are you talking about? He's gross. I would never like him. It's, 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 a crush is just based on a feeling. And, and when that feeling isn't reciprocated, you don't die and go into depression. And it, It's just you drop it. And if we're not careful, that's how we can be to God. Hear me when I say this. Are we looking to God to be impressed by him or to be pressed by him? Are we just looking to be impressed by him, like our genie in a bottle, do this for me, do that for me, impress me with your signs and your awe and your wonder, or are we looking to be pressed by him, pressed towards our calling? Do you know what it means to be pressed? Do you know what happens when you press olives? They get crushed. You get crushed when you get pressed, but then the purest thing comes out. You get refined. Are we looking to be impressed by God or pressed by God? Because, my friends, if we're just looking to be impressed— we will despise him in the rough times, in the dirt, because there's nothing impressive about dirt. In those seasons, we will not be impressed. But if we're looking to be pressed by him, to be refined, to be pruned, to be growing, we will view the dirt as the best thing to grow our seed. Because seeds don't grow without dirt. And we will actually learn to rejoice in it like that verse told us in First Peter, to take joy in it. The last thing. There are only two postures in response to the dirt in the rough time of your life. And some of you are in it right now, so I hope you hear me. There are only two postures that you can be in, postures of your heart, postures of your mind, postures of your soul. One is to despise, you saw it, to despise in rough times. The other is to devote. And if you don't devote, eventually, guaranteed, you will, divide, you will despise. Because there will be things in the dirt that don't make sense, that you don't understand, that you don't see how he's going to work it for your good. You heard that verse. It's nice, but you don't see it. So devotion is the only option for us. The other day, I was teaching my son something. I have a beautiful baby boy named Maverick. Look at that little guy up there. He's holding pizza in his hand. I don't think you're supposed to feed a one-year-old pizza. I hope you aren't judgy parents in this room, but he was loving it. Look how happy he is. That's the patio that I've been working on the past week or two. My back's still killing me. So I was so happy to see him out there enjoying it. 
this kid's amazing. I love him so much. He's here. He's in the back because he gets a little Pentecostal during worship. You know how that goes. Yeah, someone Pentecostal over here was clapping. Yeah, he's just crying. It's not tongues, okay? Um, so he's back there. He's amazing. He's the best. But I was trying to teach him a lesson the other day because if you know me, I love sports. I love sports. I play them all. I love them, love them. So I really want this kid to be an athlete. I'm like, Lord, please don't let him be a musician. I hope none of them heard that. Okay, musician and athlete, that would be good. So anyways, I'm trying to teach him how to throw and how to catch because those are pretty core athletic um, functions that you have to have to throw and to catch. This kid, y'all, has an arm. He can throw like I have never seen a one-year-old. In fact, last week we were, we were on an airplane coming back from North Carolina. <laughs> I had a pack of almonds that weren't opened yet in my hand, and I was holding him. He grabbed that pack of almonds and chucked that thing four rows forward and nailed this dude in the back of the head with those almonds. That guy looked back, and Maverick and I were like, oh, doo -doo -doo -doo. oh nothing to see here. It wasn't us. We just played it off cool, right? He's sly. So his throwing is good, but his catching is terrible. He just no concept of how to catch. So I'm trying to teach him how to catch because he's going to have to learn this, right? He's already won. How does he not know how to catch? Come on. Pray for me, y'all. Um, so I'm trying to teach him how to catch. And I'm throwing a ball at him, and he's starting to get a little mad. He's starting to get a little frustrated with me. Because every time I, I throw the ball, it just kind of hits him and bounces off him. And I had to teach him the posture that he needs to be in to receive the thing that I am sending to him. Okay? I had to teach him this. Because um, what he would do is he would get frustrated that I'm throwing a ball at him, apparently. And he would look down at the ground, and he'd make a face like this. And then he would start clenching his fists. There's only one. Don't judge him, okay? Clenching his fists like this, right? And I'd throw the ball, and he wouldn't catch it. So I had to teach him the posture that he needed to be in. So let me just demonstrate this for you real quick before we go back into worship. Lincoln, would you stand up? Give Lincoln a big round of applause. He's a very athletic guy, so I asked him to do this, Okay. So I'm going to be Maverick, okay? This is what he used to do before he learned his little lesson that we learned, okay? I, he would walk around like this, and he'd be so frustrated. And uh, I'm even more mad. Uh, I'm just, I'm so frustrated. And, and, and the thing that I'm trying to send him is just bouncing off of him, and he's getting more and more frustrated. You know why? Because his head is looking down in the dirt, and it's not looking up to the hills to where his help comes from. So I have to teach him, like I did, that Mav, when I throw you the ball, boy, you got to look like this. And I, I taught him that because he's a smart kid. And let me show you what happens when you walk around like this. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple analogy. I thought I was teaching him something. Parents, your kids teach you way more than you will ever teach them, Okay. What I realized is that in my life, in so many dirt seasons, in so many rough times, I get angry, I clench my fists, and I look down at my circumstances, the dirt that I'm stuck in, the rough time that I'm in, and I focus on that, and I walk around and I clench my fists, and they get more sweaty, and they get more stinky, and they get more angry, and I get more closed, and I get more combative, and all along, Lincoln, one more time, all along, God... He's just throwing that promise at me. He's throwing that blessing at me, but I can't even see it to receive it. Instead, I'm getting on, standing on a stage getting abused by a 15-year-old throwing beach balls at me. 
because I'm looking down in the dirt. Are you 15 or 16 now, bro? You're, 15, you're so tall for a 15-year-old. Sorry. We do this in our lives, guys. Sometimes it seems like God isn't responding. Like you're praying and it's not happening. It's not going our way. Um, but, but sometimes that's not it. Sometimes it's just delay. You know, delay is a trick of the devil. To, to make you think that because it's delayed, it's not going to happen. God's timing is better than your timing. is better than my timing. God knows what you need. You know what you want. He knows what you need and when you need it. So we got to check what our posture is in the dirt. Do we despise in the dirt or do we devote in the dirt? Do we clench our fists or do we walk around? Look, I don't know about you, but after this little lesson I learned from Maverick, the kid is so cute. Anytime I hold a ball in my hand now, like he can just see me from 100 feet away. <laughs> hand goes straight up if I have a ball. Because he's learned this. I want to have that childlike kind of faith. That, that says, yeah, I'm in the dirt, but I'm going to stop looking at the dirt, clenching my fist. I'm going to fix my posture, and I'm going to lift my hands and look up to the hills to where my help comes from, and I'm going to devote myself to him, even though I don't understand it. I don't know why, but I know that I need the dirt for my seed to grow. And if I don't go through the dirt, my seed is never going to grow. So while I don't love it, while I don't enjoy it, I'm going to walk around like this ready to receive. Those Israelites took a 12-day journey and turned it into 40 years. Don't walk around with your fists clenched and your head down, focused on the rough times, on the dirt, when God is sending beach balls at you, bro. God is sending the blessings and sending the promise. They were right there at the promised land. All they needed was the devotion to take it. And there was two men named Joshua and Caleb who had the devotion who went in and brought back a good report and said, we're going in. And guess what? They went in. They took the promised land. They lived in it. They built in it. And they're still in it now thousands of years later. Why? Because of devotion. That's our choice. We can despise in the dirt or we can devote in the dirt. So tonight, would you stand to your feet? Because we're going back to the altar. We're going back into worship now. And guys, this week is special. I don't know if you know, but, but this past Sunday was something called Pentecost Sunday. There is something that happened in a place called the Upper Room. An unbelievable downpouring, a pouring from above of one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive called the Holy Spirit. A downpouring from above. God is still downpouring today. My fear is that you and I might walk around looking at the dirt with our fists clenched, only infatuated by God, and we're, and we're not getting the feeling right now. We're not feeling him. We're not seeing his presence. So instead of devoting and lifting our hands and worshiping in the dirt, we're just despising and despising. And if you despise your circumstances long enough, you will start despising who you believe is the author of your circumstances. So tonight, we're going back into worship, and I hope you will do what David said in Psalm 121. He said, I will lift my eyes to the hills to where my help comes from. If you will lift your hands tonight, it's not Pentecostal. It has honestly nothing to do with the posture of your body. It's all about the posture of your heart. If you will open up those clenched fists that you have, and you will put those hands and have that childlike faith that goes, God, I don't understand. 
but I know it's coming. I know you planted a seed and you love me and you want good for me, so I know it's good. I don't know why I'm in the dirt, but I know that it is going to be worked for my good. You have an opportunity to do that tonight. And the last thing I want to, the very last thing I want to say to you. Some of you go, yeah, preacher, whatever. I like your beach balls and all and your seed analogies. That's cool. But I've been waiting on my seed to grow for a very, very, very long time. And I am still single. I am still not in the career that I want to be in. I am still not free from the addiction that I have been in for years. I still feel alone when I lay my head to rest on the pillow at night. I don't know why. And all your words almost seem kind of offensive to me. I hope that you will know this. God has planted a seed in you. And no matter how long it has been, that guy at that flower nursery named Paul, he taught me one final thing. He told me this. He said the most amazing thing about seeds is that they never expire. They might go dormant for a season, but if you put that dormant seed in the dirt and you work it up and you prune and you refine and you devote, that seed will grow into exactly what God intended it to grow into. So it's not too late for you. Whether it's been one year, 10 years, 20 years, or 40 years, my friends, the promises of God are yes and amen. So we're going to worship right now. And I hope you will forget the time. I hope you, we're not going to keep you long. It's only be a few minutes. I, it, this is so important. Some of you are in the dirt, in the rough, rough time. You can make a decision to devote right now. And you would be amazed what will happen if you will devote. It can be 12 days if you will devote tonight. It doesn't need to be 40 years anymore. So team, would you come up? And when you lead us back into worship, because my friends, the spirit of the Lord is here. And it can be here as it is in heaven if you will just open up your hands to receive.